There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper and a big welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. And it's great to be back with you again for yet another week. And we had a fantastic guest on the show last week in Gaia Ferreira. Um, we talked about, about, about legacy and also how each day you can move towards the legacy that you desire. And she shared various different uh, models and sequences that you can, you can think about. And also lots of practical ideas for um, giving you the kind of energy to help you move forward very, very positively. Uh, and we got lots of great feedback on that show. People really loved it. And, uh, and I would really recommend if you, you know, you're thinking about this year and about launching the year uh, that you go back and listen to that interview because uh, it'll give you extra energy and extra ideas and extra discipline. So today, I'm really excited about today. We have Deb Cobiello. We're going to talk about the CEO's compass. And uh, I just thought this was a really interesting and helpful topic and fitted in beautifully with the beginning of the year. Um, some of you and uh, some of my clients have been saying to this, me this uh, week that they're feeling a little bit tired and jaded after the Christmas and almost feel like they could do with another break. Um, and I think it's, we often feel, don't we, we can feel depleted at the end of a day. And if so, if you feel like that sometimes, you're not alone. As a recent study said that 60% of leaders feel the same way. And if you're leading a company or you're leading a, a division, a department, you're a, a C-suite uh, leader, or you're just leading your own business, you know, it, it, it is a risk that you could experience job frustration, you could um, experience burnout. So I'm delighted to have Deb today, and we're going to discuss her book, The CEO's Compass, and that helps you to um, identify your team's current blind spots, determine seven key areas that you need to focus on, and to get back on track in days, not months. And I think we can do that sometimes, get back on track uh, quickly. So we're going to have to confront our feelings to do this and create a plan that's sustainable for you and your organization. Uh, now, Deb is the founder of Illumination Partners. She's the host of the Drop-In CEO podcast. And for more than 20 years, she's been transforming businesses from within. She's been developing talents uh, of uh, the people within organizations, been taking them to new levels, which is great because this is called the Business Elevation Show. So let me introduce you today to my guest, Deb Coviello. Deb, welcome. Chris, thank you so much for the opportunity. I look forward to this conversation and hopefully it resonates amazingly with your audience. So again, yeah. thank you so much. I know, so it's great, great to see you and thank you so much for joining us. And I'm, well, well, tell us for a start, whereabouts are you based in the world? Where do you live? So I am in the beautiful city of Cincinnati, Ohio. That's the southwestern corner. I am still in the eastern time zone. So as we record, it's still gloomy out. <laughs> it's the middle of winter, <laughs> but it's a beautiful place to live in the Midwest, raise a family, though I am originally from the east coast of the New United States in the state of Jersey. So I can be a fast talker from that region, but coming out to the Midwest has been a wonderful change for my family. And uh, the people are amazing. Fantastic. And you get some pretty cold temperatures then in winter. 
in Ohio area? Uh, yeah, I mean, it is typical. I will start seeing snow very soon. And uh, all you want to do is just kind of hunker down in front of the fireplace and just sleep until spring comes. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I could mention that. I've, I, um, I did a little profile recently where it worked out when, when you were at your best and I came out as a bear. I th- and somebody who uh, probably best from about nine in the morning in the winter because they tend to sleep during the dark hours and come alive during the uh, light hours. So uh, I can I can relate to, to being a bear and <laughs> sleeping. <laughs> but I will tell you, actually, I've been coined a lark, a bird, because I do wake up before the birds even come up because I so need that quiet time before the house gets going yeah. just to do my email, think about the day, get organized, get a... Uh, head start <laughs> and then early to bed that's good we, we were chatting about that last week actually because uh, i i tried that I'm, I'm i can do that i'm good at that in the spring and the summer but the winter time I, i'm better off better off working a bit later and uh, getting getting a, a bit more a bit more of my bear sleep i guess so t- t- tell us a little bit then about um, about your childhood you know what 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 was it that helped define you So the childhood, there are so many stories, but if I had to think about what defined me, it was about having a voice and conforming to society norms. I was a precocious child. I had a lot to say. I would be in school. I was exceptionally smart, got my work done before others and raising my hand and trying to answer the questions. And while the teachers celebrated that, they said, can you keep Debbie quiet? (laughs) She's a little disruptive. And so I tried to be quiet and then I would pop up again later and start asking questions in high school. I don't understand that math problem. Can you explain it to me? And the other students would say, Deb, can you be quiet? See the teacher after class. And that just kept repeating itself over the years. I would be celebrated when it made sense being the leader of of an organization. But when I raised my hand in business and said, Are we really supposed to be hiring this kind of talent or we really want that? My leadership called me down and said, you shouldn't have said that. And then never provided me the coaching or mentoring how to speak up or properly state my position. So over and over again, I have wanted to speak up, say my piece. I have a lot to say. And either I never had the coaching or mentoring on how to position, say what to say at the right time to be impactful. And so fast forward being in my own business, I can say what I want when I want, because I now understand how to do it, how to influence people, how to connect with humans. And so that is why I sincerely appreciate being in my own business, have my own thoughts, express them and share them with people that care. But it's that conforming to society and staying quiet hurt me. And I don't want others to maybe lose their confidence along the way because what they say or how they say it doesn't resonate in the current environment. And that's all part of the work that I do to help elevate leaders achieve their fullest potential. Yeah. So was there somebody you know, in, the, in those informative years that maybe inspired you to, to kind of, you know, control that very appropriately, um, but you know, not lose your identity and enable you to express yourself? Was there some was there somebody, something you read, somebody you spoke to, a parent, a friend? Or so that's a really interesting question. And thank you, Chris, for asking me that. I never really had anybody that says, oh, don't listen to that. Be your own person. Say what's on your mind. Have that confidence. Oh, no. 
never had that, except there is one leader that said something to me early in my career. He says, are you easily intimidated? Again, I was a young engineer working in a manufacturing environment. I thought it's so strange to be asked that. Are you easily intimidated? And I said, I'm not sure how to answer that. And he says, well, let me tell you something. Is that you can't be intimidated. Only you can allow yourself to be intimidated. That started opening up my mind to realize I control my feelings and what I do. It started the journey about not accepting the narrative of what is said in the media or what others say about you. Because again, people will hide behind that for so many years. And when the situation or people are no longer relevant, they still hang on to why they can't do something, allow themselves to be intimidated or achieve their fullest potential. That awakening came later in my career, for which that's the passion work to either help it in CEO leaders or the people, the aspiring people, so they can achieve their highest potential. Be who you need to be, say what you need to be, create your own narratives. So one of the narratives about you is that you enjoy curling. Tell us a bit about, <laughs> tell us a bit about curling. I want to find out about you. It's great all this, this, um, this <laughs> you do with companies, but I want to find out who you are and... Uh, you know, what, yeah. what, what you're interested in, you know. So that's an interesting story. So there's a couple of things that collided all at once. I went back into the workforce after having my third child, thought I was going to take some time off the economy. I needed to go back. And my boss who brought me in was a curler. And so one year they said, hey, let's try curling. And I didn't know what that was. And I said, okay, I got to do something for myself because I have a great partner, my husband. We both work full time. We have three children and a nanny. And all we did was work and run the children around to whatever they needed to. I had no life. <laughs> mm -hmm. So in comes curling. I start throwing stones on ice, sweeping, yelling and falling. And oh my. <laughs> so what did I get myself into? But honestly, I was starting to take back my life and do something for myself. Fast forward, I won a silver medal at the arena curling national level. Uh, that's one particular level where we have ultimately won the silver medal in 2017 and realized that I could pick up a sport or interest later in life and be able to excel. And I now sincerely love the sport, the sportsmanship and sharing the love with others. Mm, excellent. So your, your book, uh, The um, CEO's Compass, you know, it, uh, you use a kind of analogy of uh, you know the compass, and I'm I'm thinking of maritime things as well in that kind of uh, uh, context. Uh, tell us that the book is really about you know people going into stormy waters. We talk you know feeling depleted at the end of the day, maybe feeling uh, feeling frustrated, maybe feeling burnt burned out. Usually, and my my first book was the was the power to get things done whether you feel like it or not, and that was that was therapy if I'm honest. And I realised I wasn't doing the things I needed to do to be a successful uh, business owner. It, was there some therapy in this for you? I mean, did you go through some stormy waters? Did you experience um, what it was like when things were tough to enable you then to, to write this for others? So thank you for that. There is therapy on a number of levels. The first one, oh my, I had to write the book because I was such a, a voracious content creator on social media, videos, blog posts, et cetera. And people love my content, but then said, Deb, what are you about? 
we still can't distill down what is it that you stand for. So I started putting these thoughts together. I originally, the CEO's compass was a house with a foundation and the pillars and looked so corporate and the elements were there. But then I said, that doesn't resonate with a CEO. So I started thinking and drawing and thinking, what would resonate? And I took all eight of the compass points with true north being the northernmost. And I started making a compass and said, that's it. Because I never had a playbook. As I was dropped into different situations, as the vice president of quality, as the vice president of operational excellence, always being dropped into situations where the foundation was crumbling. And I knew I was talented, but I didn't have a playbook to say, well, what do I do now? And so it's those trials and tribulations of seeing what is missing, what are the gaps, and how can I build an organization so so that it's functioning and people are getting the results they wanted. These are my thoughts. One, to address the personal leadership style of yourself, you have to start there. So it is a personal development book whereby you have to read chapter one and stop and ask your questions about why do you lead, how do you want to lead, and what is your purpose? Because only then can you actually then lead others. And then the rest of the chapters are those how-to tips and tricks. I have learned very human-centric because humans still run the world. And those seven compass points, you can go out and look at your organization and see what's missing to get things back on track versus blowing up what you already have. You may only be off on a few compass points to get back to true north because you were once a rock star. All these people that I'm talking to in the book, they have been very successful. But when the environment changes or you're dropped in, you sometimes start doubting yourself. So my book is meant to get them on track. Have you ever felt yourself, though? Have you ever ever had that experience when you felt like you're on your knees? Thank goodness for a supportive spouse, a partner, (laughs) a community, because the opportunity to at least talk through those challenges, I was able to start processing and figuring out where was I missing, where did I have a gap? Still didn't have a mentor or a coach. Most of my managers would tell me how to do my job and where to go and get resources. If I was missing the mark on something, they'd send me out for training and rarely have a conversation about, so how did that go? And let's talk about evolving that skill. I had to figure it out myself. So uh, I would say my partner in crime, my husband, was one of those people I could talk to and just process and figure things out. But in hindsight, Everybody needs a coach or a mentor because I now mentor aspiring C-suites and to see them open up, find their confidence and be able to move forward and get promoted. I love that work and I wish I had somebody or maybe I wasn't ready at certain points in my career, but I have one now and it's really, really helping me and it gives my husband a break. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I think you need need independent perspective don't you because you, you cannot as a when you that the, the first point of that compass you know i would see that as being about we have to you know we have to first look at ourselves it starts with us doesn't it uh and as a human yes. being i think you know we have to look into ourselves and get clear about what we're about and our purpose and half, half the battle is getting out get getting out the way of yourself and your you know imprinted kind of behaviors but but it takes often someone else to to see some of that in you i think I'd love to respond to that. And this speaks to when did I start seeing my own leadership style? And so I will tell you my very last role, 
a year in, I was not on track. We weren't getting the results. And so we had to go to our global meeting to present what were we going to do in the following year. And I knew I couldn't do what I was doing in the past, trying to manage all these projects and people. So when I went to the global meeting, I put together my presentation, but it first started with, why do I lead? What were my values? How was I going to lead differently to get a different result? And only at the very end, do I actually talk about here are the projects we need? And so, my manager did not like it. He said, Deb, you didn't spend enough time on the details and the tactical work you're going to do. It was very nice. You had self-reflection, but we really don't care about that. And then during lunch, I met with a colleague and they said, Deb, we love what you did. You started with the self-reflection about your leadership style, and we need more leaders like that because if we keep getting the same kind of leader in an organization, you're going to get the same result. So that was the beginning of realizing self-reflection, determining the kind of leader you need to be is where you need to start, especially when you feel off track before you can move forward and just start doing. Yeah. One of the the things I I discovered, because we we do some similar kinds, kinds of work one of the things I, I I remember discovering was working with a big global corporation and they were all doing 360 degree appraisals and feedback. And uh, what I, what I realized, and I, I was dealing with some broken people actually who'd had this feedback and I, I looking at all the, the people who had fed back and what they said about this, the, each individual is I, I, I could get a sense from some of the profiling work that I do. And I'm sure you do of the natural styles of those people who'd written the feedback. And each person was basically saying, you should be more like me. Uh, and so, so these individuals were just um, you know, thinking, I should maybe be more detailed. I should be more visionary. I should be more, I should understand my numbers better. I should be operationally stronger. I should be. And the reality is that uh, most people are not general managers. They don't have a flow in every area of business. Um, so I think the work you do is really important to, help you understand yourself, who you really are, uh, and, and like you did, take responsibility for yourself and not be too drawn into the feedback of others, which is why coaching is great. People like you um, helping with coaching because you're independent. We're independent. We're not saying you should be like us. We're listening. We're trying to work out the best for that, uh, that person. So really enjoyed um, this first section. We're going to go to commercial break now. And after the commercial break, let's get into the CEO's compass. Let's understand some of those, um, those aspects that you, you Deb, I think are particularly important and maybe, maybe a, a unique and that your clients and the people that you work with are finding particularly helpful. Um, thank you, everybody. Do join us after the break. Bring a pad and some paper I would recommend, unless you listen to this in the car. And uh, we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? 
Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Deb Cobiello. We're talking about the CEO's compass, and we're talking about this, this great um, kind of model and an experience that uh, Deb has had to her, her background and uh, the company she worked for, which she's now taken all that experience and wisdom uh, to create the model. I just, just, just top line. I didn't, I didn't introduce you in terms of explaining uh, who you work for. You'd, you'd worked in kind of fragrances and areas like, and sectors like that in your career, I believe, didn't you? Yeah, so I really enjoyed the flavors and fragrance industry. And oh my, I used to get perfume free. I used to get (laughs) vanilla beans. It's an amazing industry because, you know, you think it's just a commodity that, you know, it goes into your laundry detergent, your fine fragrance. Maybe it goes into the potato chips or the the beverage that you drink. Um, Yeah, it does. But you know what? There is so much emotion behind it because really what we're trying to do by putting these amazing flavors or fragrances is we're creating memories and experiences for people. If you, you know, like the smell of baked bread and, and a candle has bread in it, it brings back those memories. So while you might say, oh, it's just a flavor, it's just a fragrance, it's about mm-hmm. creating connection with experiences. And that's what makes it so interesting. It's not easy because, you know, you put these items into the world and you have to make sure a Coke always tastes like a Coke, yeah. a Pepsi, etc. And also you got to make sure you don't hurt people because if it's not safe, it could impact people. So it's it was an amazing industry, both emotionally as well as building out my technical capability to preserve the brand. So very interesting industry. Yeah, yeah. I, I worked in an industry with probably little, maybe some parallels in that I, I had a one particular part of my life, I was responsible buying for ingredients for fifteen factories. But they, I was yeah. we were buying seasonings and flavors, but for for food stuff, for biscuits and cakes and snacks. Yeah. And um, so uh, I, I kind of get some of what you're saying, but it wasn't was it wasn't flavorings in terms of fragrance. Yeah, but uh, seasonings also, Mm. they come with their challenges. I mean, they can Mm. really have an impact to the experience and flavors. But, oh, my, it's very interesting where flavors and the seasonings come from all over the globe and uh, how to get them. And also, they come with risk as well, depending on how they're harvested and handled. Mm. So, very, very interesting area, um, the supply chain. So, we have common experiences here. Absolutely. And and so, tell tell us top line, you know, Top line, what is the 
you know, what are the kind of components within the CEO's compass? And, um, and, and I know you also spit out strategic and tactical within it as well. So tell us a little yeah. bit about that. So top line, you know, most, you know, I was always trained as an engineer, lean, six sigma, black belt. We can fix any problem by addressing people, process, and tools. That's how we can solve most problems. And yes, that does work. But as I got up into higher levels of organization, like for instance, I acquired we acquired another business unit and we were going to get them on our platforms with our tools and our computer systems because it was so important to be able to grow the business and have great market share, people, process, and tools. The problem is they forgot the people. Mm. They forgot to understand the past and the culture of the people and their unique gifts. They just saw them as objects and transactions. So fast forward, the CEO's compass, I do have on the compass, people, process, and platforms. How do we enrich and build the capability of the people? Not just train them and write procedures for them, but how do we engage and mentor them? Process. How do we coach the individuals on a team? Do we have a mentorship program within your company and platform the tools for making good decisions? I take a different approach on people, process, and tools. But what I have found, again, top line, so many leaders miss these two compass points that I added, the past and the pride. A little tactical, a little strategic, and we'll get into that. Up until now, it's been tactical, but oh my... If you want to bring people into an organization or team, do you ever spend time getting to know them and their past and their culture and what makes them special? The pride, the pride I talk about is that unique gift, that intellectual property that each individual is proud of. Maybe they wrote a computer program. Maybe they solved a major problem. They've got a patent. Leaders who don't take the time to really understand the people and their unique gifts, you miss an opportunity, one, to pay respect to them, and build some trust. So I'll tell you real quickly, we did this. And I will tell you the people that just treated the individuals as a transaction, they had problems shipping product to the customer because the transaction didn't work. But when I spent time getting to know the people and like, oh my, I had no idea you were so talented. The fact I took time to get to know them, when we had those bumpy times of integrating, maybe having a quality issue, oh my, they knew how to reach out. They said, I can do this, Deb, just tell me where to go. I had earned their respect because I got to know them. CEOs or business leaders forget there are humans involved. Those are things that if you have not taken the time to get to know your people and their unique gifts, that can get you off track. And so that's just five of the compass points. But I will say from a leadership perspective, very close to true north, you need to identify both your purpose for being a leader and the purpose in the organization. And then the other critical one is performance. The big misconception about a leader is, oh, that's my results. It's my service. It's my market share. It's my cost per kilo. They are so wrong because those are lagging indicators. Performance is really about getting to know the individual and do they have the capability and the confidence and the capacity to reach those goals and objectives and align on your purpose. And if you don't close those gaps, it's just you're going to be constantly pushing. And yeah, you might get results, but those leaders aren't sustainable. And when I focused on just building people's capabilities and their confidence and their ability to influence, I got a more sustainable result. And that is the part two of the story when they didn't like the way I said I was going to lead differently. When I focused on building the capability, the capacity and the confidence of the people on my team, 
we move from number four to number two. That's mm -hmm. the difference of sustainable leadership, focusing and using the CEO's compass, because if you do that, the eighth compass point, peace of mind. I find that leaders who focus on just results wind up being firefighters and they'll get the results sometimes and other times they don't. I had to tell my leadership, just hold off. I might have not gotten the result this month, but wait, because if I do everything else, ultimately peace of mind is what we're trying to do is get to the outcome of servicing our customers and being the favorite. I will tell you, once I got to that number two position, they started looking at my numbers. How did you get there so quickly in 18 months? It is because I just stuck to my guns. I need to elevate the capability of my people, leveraging the compass, mentoring and coaching them. And that's what got me the results ultimately to be number two. So mm. that's the compass. It needed to be written because I saw there were so many missing pieces in the way corporate leadership leads. It, f it feels that permeating the entire model though, is, is people. Oh my right. God, yes. You know, You're what so I, what right. I, you know, everywhere through. I always, always remember... When I was I was a young graduate, and I my first postgraduate job was in the motor industry, and in my first uh, in my first week, uh, the sales director of the company came over to me and said uh, he was he was retiring actually, so we we crossed over by about two weeks I think ultimately, and he came over to my desk and said, Chris, he said um, I'm finishing my career, and you're starting yours. Could I share one? piece of uh, experience from my career that you might find helpful? And I said, Yeah, sure. And he said, Chris, he said. People are everything, and then he just walked. He just walked off and left me. It left me with that for <laughs> quite a few years. <laughs> It'll be thirty years. Mm. It is because I keep saying humans run the world. I, I was once in a company where they didn't have a lot of sophisticated equipment, and here I came in. I was helping them with a project, and I said, "Tell me what your communication process is. What's your drumbeat? What is your? Do you do it via email, etc.?" And he said, "We just talk to each other every day." And that was the beauty of a small business owner saying they simply recognize the value of constant human connection and communicating the objectives and helping people out. We didn't need any fancy technology email or Slack or anything like that. Just having a foundation of we just make sure our people are engaged, they know what's going on, and they have the tools to be successful. I find big corporations just forget that. Yeah. And they say, I didn't get your email. I didn't get your text. Did you pick up the phone or try to connect with the human and understand why or why not you didn't get what you needed? Yes, yes. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I sometimes feel that, that companies just don't sometimes forget that they're there to provide product for people or services to people, that, that to employ people, uh, hopefully to serve the planet for people and the inhabitants that are on the, on the planet and the, and the sustainability, the environment, etc. But they, they, they forget that actually we're made up of people. People run uh, businesses, computers, obviously part of the platform and things that that help and mm. infrastructure. But we, you know, we by driving and developing those people, you're going to. That's where the results are going to come through, aren't they? If you make them happy, you you develop them, you listen to them, you uh, you become one. Uh, they're going to serve the customer even more effectively and manage their suppliers even more effectively because that's another part of the ecosystem. Um, but it does feel sometimes it's it's forgotten, particularly by those who are maybe more left brain and uh, numbers and uh, finance and process and legal. But I so agree with you because 
when I built a team, they were all so much smarter than I was. And there yeah. was one individual who, when he spoke, he was a great subject matter expert. And then I noticed something one day, one day he stood when he delivered his message and the people leaned into him and they asked a lot of him questions. And so when we debriefed, how do you think that meeting went the other day? And he says, well, I think it went good. I got my point across. I said, no. I said, yes, you got your point across, but you created dialogue. I said, remember next time you give a presentation, even if you're doing it from the comfort of your office, stand. Because when you stand, that energy and that engagement, people will lean into your energy. And I will tell you that they move from being just a high performer within my region to a sought-out expert globally, because we take the time to build the confidence and capability of the people. Yeah. I think I completely, I completely get this. And 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 we we are we're playing with energy here, aren't we? You you mm. know, you you have got you are very energetic and uh, you know and clearly have a, a zest for life and but that energy, if you want to improve performance, often you've got to shift it, haven't you? And you've got to move it to another natural plane, I think, um, to yeah. and, and to integrate people to 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 bring that energy to want to self build that energy to bring the enthusiasm, the passion, the the desire into it, but it, it's, it's a game of shifting energy often. Um, I do a lot of work around cultural, cultural change. And in that cultural change, I'm, I'm looking for, I'm looking for people to evolve and who um, suddenly become shining examples of energy and they become little beacons and it becomes contagious. And, and over time, uh, you know, all ships start to rise or, or leave if they don't like, uh, they don't want to shift their energy, but it is, it's we're playing with energy. It's, it's a beautiful place. I have mentored people who ultimately have left their job because they took control. They had the power. They said, I don't have to be in this hamster wheel anymore. When they said, I don't have to take this, I have done everything I can to create meaningful relationships, have great conversations. And when the environment didn't embrace their new energy and confidence, they soon realize I need to change my situation. And they have, and they have much happier. That's the work I love doing when they have that aha moment because they were courageous enough to bring in a mentor or coach and open up their minds to say, there's nothing wrong. I've checked myself. I know what I need to do differently, but if the environment doesn't embrace it, I can choose to change the environment and now they're much happier. Yeah, because you're obviously right. You, you can you can lift people, mm-hmm. and they can be fish out of water, can't they? But actually, so actually, they, you know, going and looking at um, other options sometimes for places with the right culture um, for them, so where they can thrive is uh, is 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 very wise, I think. Um, and I think I was a fish out of water, and here we are today having this conversation. I get the joyous ability to be in my own business, consultancy such as yourself, and have great conversations with you. Who would have thought back in corporate I'd be doing stuff like that? Yeah. I think I, I have found my, my pond now. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. And it is, it is fascinating, isn't it, when you do, when you do, do that? And, uh, and initially, maybe your, your, your behavior is still linked to being part of a uh, an organization, but over time you, you look back and, you know, who'd have thought you'd be to have a podcast that you're writing books that, you know, you know, I feel the same way with me that you're able to serve people and choose to, to not work with some people. If, if they don't, you know, you can't ever see that, that, that change is going to happen. Do you know what I mean? Um, you've got, you've got the choice, which I, I like. It is that acceptance that you're not, people say you're not for everyone, but when people find you and value what you do and what you say, and when you get an opportunity to coach or work with those business leaders, 
It's magical. It's not work. I love working with my clients because I'm the right person at the right time. And I also appreciate learning from them. So love the work that I do uh, and hoping to continue to do this work, both consulting as well as leading and teaching others to take control of their career. So I'm, I love this work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, that, that taking control of career too, that's with helping people. That's important, isn't it? To, for people to become uh, self self um, responsible for managing their career rather than thinking the organization will take care of it for them. You know, that's the, what we're told. You do good work on your merits, you will rise. But it does take having the right advocate <laughs> yes. in your path, a person that can see your talent or potential. And even if you don't have those skills, recommend that you maybe move into another role. I see so many leaders that just say, I'm sitting and waiting and I'm doing everything I've been told and not getting those um, those advancements. So um, it, it is a challenge. But I do often tell them you need to advocate for yourself. You need to put your thoughts out there, share your thoughts with others, find advocates, because you need them to pull you along and see what your potential is. I had a friend of mine who said, I've been given a new opportunity, but it's in sales and I've just been a technical leader. I've never done sales before. I said, but you're the perfect person because you know what it's like to have those problems and now to be able to sell services or products. So I helped her go from a negative mindset of, I can't do that to, I can. And she has, and she's since been promoted while being in that new role. So it's Mm -hmm. amazing how people hold themselves back when really they need to take control of their career. Excellent. Well, we're going to go to commercial break now. And after the commercial break, I'd like to talk a little bit more about um, this concept of pride, I think. I think that's one pride's not uh, something I've really necessarily hugely talked about on this show. So I'm intrigued to find out a little bit more about that. We'll talk a bit about platform tools as well. Um, we'll, um, we'll be back again with you in just a couple of minutes. So do join us after the break and uh, do let us know if you've enjoyed this, if you're finding it, um, finding it valuable, uh, do tell people about it as well and, and share it because at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is just help. We're trying to help people to step up and elevate people improve and develop themselves improve their careers and um and ultimately make a bigger contribution because the world needs us right now it needs us to step up in a time of crisis to make a make a bigger contribution i feel so we're back again with you in just a couple of minutes speak to you soon from the boardroom to you voice america business network would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. 
You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Deb Coviello. We're talking about the CEO's compass. And Deb, I'd like to explore a little bit. You talked about it in the compass, about the past and also pride. And I think, um, I, I think people do miss a real trick with, with people when it comes to understanding their pasts. I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts on it? And how Surpri- it <laughs> this was one of those ahas that came to me while I was in corporate because past is important. You know, why did these people come to us? What was their culture? What was their pedigree and such? But a subtle nuance was pride. And I have a slightly different definition about pride. I call pride is the intersection of their humanity and their intellectual property. And while most people will say, oh, he's a subject matter expert over there. She's the go-to person there. When you say subject matter expert, you actually dilute the incredible gifts that they bring to an organization. But if you talk about a patent, your intellectual property, and you protect that because it's gold, it's what gives you your competitive advantage. I think we need to elevate people's subject matter expertise to the level of intellectual property and protect it, respect it, because you never know when you may need it. And this struck me when, again, as an engineer, working with people on the production floor and writing training materials. And one person I met, he was an elderly gentleman in a flavors manufacturing environment. And I says, can you explain this process of how you make this flavor? And the way his eyes twinkled and the way he explained, I do this A to B to Z. And this is what's important and why it's important. And this is the impact on the customer or quality. If I don't get it right, his eyes twinkled. I couldn't write down things fast enough as he shared his knowledge. And I realized one, we didn't have it written down. He was treated like a craftsman and that's beautiful. But I had a mission to get that knowledge written down because God help us if that person left the company, we would lose those mm-hmm. gifts. And then the other part, again, yes, he was a manual, he was a, a technician. He was making flavors, he had to ship product, but he had the unique gift of having intimate knowledge about the subtleties to always get a consistent product. Because as soon as your customers don't get a consistent product, you're going to hear about that and lose brand loyalty. What we did after that is we captured his knowledge and then we paid respect to the individual. We made him a trainer because his knowledge was so important to be able to pass on to the next generation. And that's part of business sustainability. Treat the human with respect, treat it like it's intellectual property, protect it, celebrate it, leverage it. Because some people will hold on to the knowledge and not share it because that's how they survive. We need to celebrate it, bring it out so they can leave their legacy. And mm. that's my story. <laughs> uh, and what, what's, what's your view about, um, I mean, about, about age in the workplace as well? Because what we of, often happens is we, you know, the people who maybe um, been around in an organization for longer, they know, they know an awful lot, they've got high level of awareness. Occasionally they're the ones who are raising their eyebrows because they've seen it all before. Um, but, uh, uh, and, you know, younger people coming in who are maybe even more full of energy, uh, sometimes, sometimes respect them and sometimes they don't. Um, what, what, what's, what's your 
perspective and all of that? So just like I told you as a child, I speak up and say what's on my mind, and it may not always be popular. I don't care about age. I simply care about their experience and their willingness to share their knowledge. Great knowledge can come from a 25-year-old. Oh, my, I hire and have a lot of really smart people. And I've had people, I think she was like 28, I just met her. And she is talking to me about different ways of emotional intelligence. Again, there's a lot of literature. I've never heard this stuff before. If I didn't know her age, I'd say she's in business 25 to 30 years. And so I honestly don't care about age. I know it exists. I think we need to look at the intellectual property of the people, regardless of their age and what is their contribution. Yes, 30, 25, 30 years, we know a lot, but we also have a lot to learn. So I think we need to look at the quality of the information we're Mm -hmm. exchanging with each other and the diversity of thought. That's what we should be looking for. Not do we have the right attributes and physical demographics in our workforce, but diverse thought regardless of the age or experience. I agree. And as you get older, sometimes things to unlearn, isn't there? And then the world changes and shifts and, you know. (laughs) <laughs> but I, even now I'm unlearning habits. I've been told, you know, oh, I used to be that. Well, I can't believe I used to be that. Having just that self-awareness, regardless of the age. And yes, I know the younger generation is ambitious. They learn information a lot quicker. They want to start doing. Um, we need to harness that energy in case we don't have it. That's what we can celebrate and need to feed it and yeah. just give them a sense of purpose. So I don't see age. I just see experience and passion. Yeah, yeah. This this week I was with a company who'd had uh, four new hires all all arrived. Uh, I think uh, on Monday this week, and I was in on them. And Tuesday we were doing some uh, um, some communications about culture, and it was just great because it was four, you know, smiling faces, just full of uh, uh, hadn't got experience in the industry. They were um, they were from outside the industry. They were just desperate to learn and uh, and just asking questions and full of energy and. It was just, it was just great. Those little beacons walk, walk, walking around the, fu- you know, the future, and and injecting further life into the company. It was lovely. But here's a case in point. I just started a consulting gig in the banking industry. I've never really worked in the services industry. I'm asking questions. I want to know who to connect with. I've got all this energy. They're already moving me into some assignments. So I'm coming in with the energy and curiosity that a young person has. Yes. But you don't judge me on my age, but what I bring to the table and how quickly I can get up to speed and make a contribution. Mm. What's, what's your feeling about, um, this is quite a, a challenging sort of question, but also about ensuring you've got that diversity and equality across your, your workforce. What are, what are your thoughts when the, it comes to the, you know, the compass and being really effective when it When I think about that question, diversity, it's one of the chapters I have is um, in the process. One of the things we teach um, new managers, new leaders in process, we talk about that, is looking at the people, the cards that you're dealt, what are their strengths, their weaknesses, their threats, their opportunities. We need to take the time to understand them individually and what they bring to the table. Um, I think it's more diversity. I think, actually, I'm off the cuff right now. It's that energy. It's the curiosity that they have. We need to understand what makes them tick. I mean, I went into a situation where I was supposed to coach the manager to be more strategic and just train the junior associate on the technical part of their job in quality and food safety. I coached the senior leader, but when I went away, nothing changed because when I I came back, I had to restart. The junior associate 
they said, Deb, can you spend some time with me? I need to communicate with the plant manager. I need to know how to articulate this important issue. And then afterwards, they came back to me and says, Deb, it was terrible. What should I have done differently? This was a person that was hungry, regardless of their title or their years in service. We need to look at the passion, the awareness, and how hungry are people to be wanting to move forward. That's what I look at when I go into a new situation. I look at the cards, but I will always try to see what makes them tick and how can I get that energy out of them. Mm. So when we talk about diversity, it's more on, I think, an energy level, a self-awareness, and the willingness to try new things and learn, not white, black, brown, age. It's just what we are. It's just the packaging, but it's how we think and interact with each other. Those are the challenges we as leaders need to try to figure out and put the puzzle pieces together. Yeah. And and, and the puzzle pieces of the compass, you talk about platform tools. Just tell me a little bit more about platform tools. Yeah. So, (laughs) you know, a a quick story here. I I had problems with prioritizing. I was a senior leader in an organization. I wasn't getting my objectives done and I got poor marks for it. And I got to the point, even in my intro, you can get overwhelmed by all the activity coming your way. But what I soon realized is I was never given the essential skills on personal accountability because you're going to have a lot thrown at you and you need to know what's urgent and important. So that's the Eisenhower matrix. Never learned about that. Was never taught. They just assumed I could figure out. A leader needs platform. They need to know what their purpose is so they can use it as a guiding principle. They need tools to hold them accountable daily, weekly, monthly to stay Mm. on track because there's so many distractions, I know. And then to understand what's urgent and important and leverage your team, disregard certain things because people are going to say it's urgent, but not everything is. I had to learn the hard way. And I even now as a business owner, because I'm the entrepreneur, I want to do everything, platform, accountability, decision logic, Also knowing how to have a difficult conversation with somebody, not being afraid of conflict, but really understanding there's a gap between what I want and you want. We need to give people a conversation map. So those are some of the tools I develop and put into the CEO's compass to help leaders navigate the activity that comes at them, making good decisions, and then navigating and trying to have challenging conversations with others in order to close the gaps on the results. It's, mm. it's just those are the things that we don't give our leaders and they have to learn the hard way. I want to make their lives a little bit easier. And I put that into the book, platform, giving people the right tools to navigate and operate their own personal accountability. Mm. We, we um, right at the beginning of the interview, we talked about, you know, people feeling depleted at the end of the day. And if anyone's listening to this now, and there's uh, hopefully you've picked up some of the energy from uh, from this conversation and uh, you know the fact we do all kind of get into choppy waters sometimes and we need to kind of move forward but if someone's listening to this right now and they're thinking you know i really am in a in choppy waters right now you know it's a tough time i'm feeling depleted what's the next step stop the first step just stop stop doing that is my greatest advice i say in the book pause and reflect We talk about leaders. If things are not working, we should take a course. We should do this. We should start doing that. Action, action, action. And what I want to say is leaders that are in rocky waters need to take a sabbatical, a weekend, a week, and just understand how did they get to that point. 
and then they have to reflect, am I meant to do this work? <laughs> if, I, if the answer is yes, why do I do this work? Why am I being a leader? I will tell you, I had to say, I want to be the leader that helps people spend more time doing the things they love to do with their family, their friends, and their community, and not work so hard the 50, 60, 70 hours a week. That's where I started. I stopped, I reflected, and then says, okay, now that I know that, how do I get that done? So the first thing a leader should do is simply pause and reflect and take the time to evaluate where you are, how did you get there, and perhaps pull out the compass and start saying, what's not there? What's missing? Am I lacking purpose? Am I building people capability? Are they missing the tools? Do they need one-on-ones? Do they need mentoring? You never know, but you need to stop, read chapter one, stop, Mm -hmm. and then move forward because we are so action-oriented and that activity is probably what's slowing us down. Fantastic. Well, we've come to the end of the interview now. I just wonder if you've got, it's been great. I wonder if you've got a final message you'd like to leave us with. Okay. This is my final message. You know, I, first of all, sincere thank you for the opportunity to just share my thoughts. If we have impacted just one person to think a little bit differently about their leadership style, if they're in a place where they feel off track, just know there are resources. Don't do it alone. You can contact Chris, have a conversation with myself. We have resources, blog posts, the CEO's Compass, a leadership academy. I want to help you take control of your career and have confidence and get the promotions you want or work with a senior leader and help you and your team get those skills they need so that you all can achieve peace of mind. Now, I know that sounds very scripted, but I am so passionate about that because I don't want to see people struggle. So reach out to me and thank you so much. Brilliant. If you want to find out more, um, you can order the CEO's Compass, your guide to set back on, to get back on track. Subscribe to the Drop-In CEO podcast. Uh, over the next um, few weeks, I'm actually going to go and have some surgery um, tomorrow, which I'm, you can imagine I'm really looking forward to. And I've got to take a few, a few sort of weeks out. Um, but on next, so next week's show uh, will be uh, Stephen Morris, been on the show before many times, interviewing Owen Sullivan, amazing coach, but also amazing musician, created the theme tune for this show, actually, work with people like Russell Crowe, you may be an actor. And um, so they're going to interview next week. Then we'll have part one of Play the Game, um, that new book that I contributed to, uh, which, is, uh, which is doing really well. It's been best-selling in, uh, um, in the UK and is in the, all the bookstores. And, uh, uh, but also there's a part two with a number of the other co-authors uh, the following week. And then I'll be back again with you uh, in about, uh, about four weeks' time. So do, t- do take care. Do share this show. We do love to help um, the likes of Deb and I. This is our purpose in life. Uh, and I wish you um, every success. Um, take that time to stop and pause if you're struggling right now. Get a, little, get a break, reevaluate, and then, um, then move forward um, and uh, use the time to find your true north. We're back again with you very soon. Take care. Thank you. We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.